0: Today's episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by the critically acclaimed number one New York Times bestseller about the real Steve Jobs, which is now available in paperback. Becoming Steve Jobs, the evolution of a reckless upstart into a visionary leader, is a fresh, in-depth portrait of the greatest visionary of his generation and now features a new forward by serial entrepreneur and venture capitalist Mark Andreessen, as well as an afterword by Rick Tetzeli and Brett Schlender. Becoming Steve Jobs will be available June 7, 2016 for $18 wherever books are sold. For more information, visit becomingstevejobs.com. Hello and welcome to Control Walt Delete, a differentially private podcast using randomized noise, which came from an idea from Aaron McCarty on Twitter. Uh, I am Neil Patel, I'm the editor in chief of The Verge. I'm joined as always by my friend, Verge executive editor, co founder of Recode, Mr. Walt Mossberg. Hey, Walt, how's it going?
1: I'm getting a, a, a little tired here at WWDC Week <laughs> in San Francisco, but I'm good. Yeah. I'm totally up for this.
0: Yeah, it's you know, time. I mean, I we've say? been. You, you and Dieter have like just been there the whole time it's been it's been really and, something and, I I, and lo- I took off
1: you took off leaving me and Dieter and Lauren good <laughs> here and to go through many meetings and but you you before you took off we did yet another podcast about this the verge cast so which yeah. had many voices including John Fort from CNBC so that was cool
0: yes yeah, so listen to that one so I think we should focus a little bit. So, Walt, I was joking as we were walking out of WWC, which um, hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you are aware that Apple's WWC happened on Monday. uh, And they uh, took to the stage. They said, this is a big deal for us. We've got four platforms. We're the only company that's got four platforms, industry leading in every category. Uh, And there's a lot of news. But as we were walking out, well, you said I, I'm going to think about themes. I, that's where I, the news is great, but I'm uh, I'm doing themes. So this week in your column, you wrote about the sort of the big themes uh, that you saw from Apple, and the biggest one, I think of all, of course, is privacy, and they really right. hammered that home. So, w- what were, what were kind of your big takeaways?
1: Let's let's start with the with the privacy thing. So a few weeks ago, I wrote a, a column in which I said. Look, it's obvious by now, and and this had to do with other company conferences, but especially the code conference, uh, and whatever speaker there said, uh, it's it's obvious that artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, that whole ball of wax is going to become the big battleground of the next tech war. Um, Apple sort of won, or was the co-winner of the last tech war. And now we have a new tech war about AI and Apple has some chops there. But I openly wondered whether Apple's devotion to privacy, which I happen to support, is going to kind of tie one arm behind its back in uh, trying to get the kind of data that you need to train your bots and your artificial intelligent systems to become smarter about you and be helpful. And if you want to be evil, take over the world, I suppose. But whatever. Clash between privacy and and big data. And what we saw at WDTC, which I thought was quite kind of interesting, was they got up on stage and they said, We're not going to give up on our privacy crusade. We're going to keep your stuff privacy and we're going to but we're still going to be great in AI. And here's how we're going to do it. One, we're going to derive as much information as possible and do as much calculation of kind of predictive stuff as possible from your local phone, which they've said before. But they stressed it again and gave some more examples. But two, and this was the surprising thing. They said, we're going to use this thing called differential privacy, which – and I immediately thought – I mean you, you and I and Lauren and Dieter were live blogging and we – I don't know what you thought, but I immediately thought this is a made-up phony marketing term what the hell is differential privacy, you know?
0: And they put up a guy, they're like, we found an academic, we brought him in, he <laughs> yeah, says it's real and we're Professor somebody, <laughs>
1: right? He says it's great. Well, it it turns so, so then I had to- Three out of four
0: <laughs> dentists say we're yeah, the best right, at differential right. privacy. So
1: then I and many, probably many other people uh, uh, around the world started looking it up and it turns out that in fact, this has been, uh, in fact, I actually had a little mini briefing with uh, somebody there who's very smart about all this stuff, somebody at Apple, uh, immediately after uh, the keynote. And um, this guy told me that this is an established field. But I checked anyway, and indeed it is an established field. And for decades, people have been writing academic papers about it. There have been some uses of it uh, in the wild. Um, Ironically, one of the biggest experts on it is a person at Microsoft. Google has dabbled in it, apparently some. And what it is, uh, to be as simple and clean as I can be, and and I apologize that this is grossly oversimplified, is you take the data that you have locally,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you doctor it in a way that makes it impossible to – Trace any of it back to an individual, even by like comparing similar sets of data and seeing what the differences are. There's all kinds of tricky ways, you know, to crack anonymous data, which has been the thing that companies have been telling us for years will protect us. Oh, we're, we're only using anonymous aggregate data. Well, it turns out there are clever ways if you have enough additional data sets to say, I've compared these and I now know exactly how much Nili earns or whatever.
0: Right, I think the most famous example is uh, Netflix released right. a bunch of anonymous ranking data, and they cross-referenced it with IMDb and figured out who people were.
1: That's exactly um, right, and, and, that,
0: and that's just a problem. And
1: some uh, somebody else in some other experience figured out, you know, like private details of the, I think it was the president or something. Anyway, using the same idea, so. Differential data. Uh, I mean, differential privacy. You takes this data set, this local data set, and injects what they call noise into it. That is kind of um, fake, random data into the real data, so that mm-hmm. you really can't unjumble it. You really can't compare it to a different data set and and draw those conclusions. And it takes all these many, many millions of these local phone or local computer device ipad whatever device data sets that have been randomized by the way on the device before they ever go to the server with this noise puts them all up to the server and then the server combines them all and through some algorithms it says okay we know there's a lot of junk data in here but we don't also know there's a lot of real data. And if you get enough of this, you get what they call a slight – what was the word? Slight tilt or – you get a slight indication from the data of what the trends are, what the right answers might be that they should build into their AI. And the example they gave was, for instance, we, like everybody, want to have in our predictive dictionaries that we use for typing new slang words that haven't been used before that we don't know about. And so even though this data has been randomized with this noise, it will actually point us toward new words because if there's so much of this data and these – if the word pops up enough, we'll know that that's now become a trending new word and we'll put it in the dictionary. That was one of the examples they gave. And in fact, they are limiting this differential privacy a, a cloud server data collection to a limited number of things, including things like dictionary suggestions and search uh, suggestions. Uh, to start, maybe they'll do more mm-hmm. later.
0: So that's the thing, right? Like they're built this new engine, but then the question is: Is the new engine as powerful? You know, Google isn't doing all this hashing and muxing and noise injecting. The question is: Is their stuff going to be as good? That's that's and right. If they're and if they're limited. If they're they're self-limiting where they can put it are they gonna fall behind it all these other exactly persons? and I think exactly that that I, is the question I could without using it there's no way there's no way to tell but it's it is it is as you predicted they they, they came out with a twist on how to do AI um, but they didn't hit it as hard as everybody else has been hitting it uh, and they certainly didn't hit it in the same way right I mean
1: no they didn't they did not say and it's ironic right because Siri almost is a synonym for AI in people's minds, voice controlled AI, and mm-hmm. and they own Siri, and they've and they've had Siri active in their devices since 2011. But it's not like they came. I I kind of expected them to come roaring out. I think many people did and say, "Hey, you know, we've done these big new things with Siri. We have these big new plans." They did, of course, put it on the Mac, and that is an important thing. But you know. Microsoft just put Cortana on computers yeah. since
0: I mean their demo of Siri on the Mac was they was it Federighi he he was like find me all the files that somebody sent me which is right great you know it's like you can do that with a finder now now you're just talking to it they didn't they didn't level up Siri's capability set what they did was they moved it to the Mac and said now it's open and developers can talk to it and that's great
1: that now it's open and developers can talk to it which by the way is limited there's only certain kinds of Uh, third-party apps you can integrate with it. But nevertheless, I think that is a big step forward. But I I agree. I take your point, uh, which is they did not make it front and center the way that Google did at I.O. or Facebook did uh, or Microsoft did, frankly, with bots. Um, So, uh, you know, there – and and that was one of my themes uh, also. Uh, So Mm -hmm. first we had privacy and AI – the other theme is Apple still about the hardware. They really are about the hardware. Yeah. And the software is in service to the hardware. And this is a little bit counter to the to the stress they've been putting on income from services or them becoming a service company, which is not a lie. It's true. There are more and more things for which you can pay Apple, and people do pay Apple on a recurring basis. So they have a services business. But, you know, this was WWDC where they announced – all new improvements to all their platforms, and yet it was really all about in service to the hardware. And in the case of Siri, Siri works differently on each of their platforms. It's not like Sir- yeah. Siri; it's it in wildly different. Yeah, ways. it's not like Siri is its own almost product that stands alone that spreads through all their hardware. Yes, but also can do can do other things and can go on other people's platforms if they wish or can be in a new device. I mean, we still don't know if they're going to do uh, an Echo kind of device or not, but...
0: I bet we see one of those in September, right? Yeah, they, they, got a, might. they They always do a phone in September. They, there's a bunch of products left for them. That, you know, they, they didn't rev any hardware, so... Yeah, yeah. No, no, it, know, it, it, the, the it, it could happen. The MacBook Pro is old in the tooth. There's a new watch due. I bet at that event you know, if assuming that there's a September event, which I think is generally a good assumption, you'll see a bunch of a bunch of stuff, and, and that's where the that, this, you, if there's a Siri box, they'll, they'll put. That's it. right. They could put out a Siri box, but clearly
1: this was them presenting to their developers and some journalists and others their software
0: and mil- millions of Verge readers, and millions
1: <laughs> of Verge readers their uh, their software roadmap, and they did not make siri a big front and center thing and partly it's because as we said a minute ago it's different in different things it's on the apple tv and
0: you might say well the, it, i mean yeah the big siri update on the apple tv was now you can ask it to show you comedies like you can do categories no I mean, no no no, that
1: wasn't an update they, to, they had that before i think the big update there was youtube which people have really wanted uh, they
0: they now the specific search that eddie q did on stage was show me 80s comedies
1: yeah, I know, I know. But they used to say, remember, you maybe you don't remember this, but the last time he did it, he said, show me all the James Bond movies. This the, the idea was that it can remember context in certain circumstances, which, by the way, it can't on the iPhone where it's mostly used. But on Apple TV, you can say the previous one was, show me all the James, Bond's, James Bond movies. And then you say, no, only the ones with Sean Connery. Right. And you haven't said James Bond again. You just said – so it remembers you're talking about James Bond, remembers that that subdomain of films. Now it does a sub-subdomain with Sean Connery and then, you, then the, the coup de grace is they say only the good ones and because, and because yeah. they have uh, Rotten Tomatoes built in and they arbitrarily say 70% or better is good, then it further gets reduced and you're left with, I don't know, what were the three good ones? Goldf- Goldfinger.
0: <laughs> Show me the one movie that's got a good rating <laughs> on Rotten No,
1: Tender. there's there's a few, but they're all with Sean Connery. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Anyway.
0: Yeah. My point is Siri is the highlight. They call it the Siri remote. It's the highlight feature of the Apple TV, and its capabilities on the Apple TV basically are flat, even though the, it's tvOS 10. Um, and Siri on the Mac is... You know, it does a little more Macky things. Siri on the phone, it's open now, but the actual let's make Siri smarter hasn't happened as far as we can. Yeah, see. I mean, they, about, if,
1: if, if it, they could have done a demo like Google did, where it remembered co- context in a much broader domain. These, they, sorry for the use of this word domain. I think a lot of our readers know what it is, but some may not. Um, TV show titles and film titles are a domain. Comedies are a domain. Mm -hmm. And so what it has to remember on Apple TV, unless and until there's a zillion other kinds of apps on there, is pretty limited. Uh, What it has to remember on an iPhone is almost unlimited, and it's very much harder. And so until Apple can show that it can remember domain context, domain states between queries, which is a really important thing and allows these assistants to do conversations – Uh, then um, it's not going to be leveled up to Google Assistant. And, you know, uh, I forgot the example Google used this time, but the one I always remember that was used with me, which we've discussed before, is the sheep in New Zealand, you know. Uh, And where you say, how many sheep are there in New Zealand? Gives you an answer, and they they say who's the prime minister. You don't have to say New Zealand again.
0: That's I watched Walt do this demo live <laughs> in the audience at WWC for the end. Siri, Siri did not get it right. It showed it showed you the prime minister of like every other Commonwealth country <laughs> except for New Zealand.
1: But it has it has gotten uh, so, it right. Yes.
0: So let's let's talk about this hardware, software, service thing. What what I saw, and I agree with you. They still sell a lot of hardware, right? And the platform improvements generally were about improving the overall experience of you buy a phone or you buy a Mac or what have you, and the thing is a little bit better. But there was the clear implication that right now the way Apple makes money is they sell what had been up until now an ever-increasing amount of hardware. Yeah. So every quarter they set a record of iPhone sales, uh, and that was their growth engine. Now that has leveled off, and the way that they're going to keep making money, and Cook has said this, is you know there's more money to be mined out of the phone there's services are a thing that we can do and there's one way to slice it which is actually the big story from last week which was we're going to change the way we do app pricing and push people towards subscriptions so that you know instead of paying once for an app you pay every month every year what have you a couple bucks the apps get updated apple gets a cut of that um, a smaller cut but more money over time presumably because you're paying over and over again and then what we saw was we're going to open up Siri. So now apps can talk to Siri, which hopefully app developers talk, you know, they, they build out a rich ecosystem inside of Siri. The not, the other big one, obviously, uh, messages. There's, we're going to oh, open huge. iMessage, yeah. an iMessage App Store, and you can just see them thinking, well, if this becomes a rich ecosystem, there's another whole economy on the phone that might flourish inside of iMessage. Then they, you know, they then there's like the minor stuff in my mind. They, The fonts in Apple Music got bigger and they moved the tabs around. Maybe it's better now. It it looks – I mean anything could be better than what we have now. They relaunched Apple News and they're going to do subscriptions so you can subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. And that, you know, if enough people do that, Apple will make a stream of money off of it too. So instead of you buy a phone and then we take 30 percent of every app you buy in the store, they're just opening up all these new surfaces – of places for recurring revenue on the phone because they know their sales are going. You
1: know up. there is a there is a drinking game every time you say Surface, people take a drink. Yeah, you know that, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should have heard that. I mean, I just that's how I, th- I think about Surface. air. I was going to say facets. You know, uh, facets. Facets is, is
1: fine. I, I like Surface. Sur- stick with Surface. Stick yeah. with your guns. It's, it's just stick with your guns, Patel. It's, you
0: know. Exactly. Well, no, it's just like the phone used to be this one monolithic thing. I get it. And uh, it up, I get it. And there's all these places for money. I understand it. It's still the um, tricking
1: game, but I get it. Um, so, well,
0: uh, the, <laughs> I'm drunk right now. I, I don't need to keep <laughs> – Good. That.
1: I'm so glad.
0: <laughs> it's the middle of yeah. the afternoon here, here where I am. I know. It's, uh, time. it's 5 o'clock somewhere. So, uh, yes, you're right.
1: But I also think if they were a company that said, look, we've made a fortune from hardware. No one's done better than us, which I think is – arguably true really it's hard to think of anyone who's better than they have on hardware um yeah. uh, uh you know since maybe the car companies in the 50s i don't know and uh, or maybe boeing i don't know they they they, they <laughs> seriously they they've it's been genius but it's kind of flattening out we can see that we're not done but it's flattening out so we have services. I think the best example is iMessage or messages. goes by different names. I always like to call it iMessage. And now we're adding all these features to it, and we're opening it to apps. So, for instance, they mentioned Uber. They mentioned Uber and Table. There, there are, you know, you're going to be able to – I'm going to be able to text you entire videos that instead of a link will actually play right there. And not only will they play there, but you'll be able to drag them into other – other apps on on the device, uh, so it's very advanced for particularly for U.S. based uh, messaging app. I mean, some of the Asian ones do some of these things, but it you know it has a lot yeah. of potentials, a lot of money to be made there. And yet, contrary to what people like you and I thought they might do, they did not ex- move it to Android. And if they thought. OK, hardware is going flat. Our business ought to be services or at least we ought to be increasing the services part of it. The logical move would have been to move it to Android. The move that they made, however, was a move that – and I this is part of what I wrote in my themes. The move that they made was still a move that said – and they said this to me. I mean a very senior executive there said this to me. I said, why aren't you putting it on Android? He said two reasons. One is in terms of the AI – he didn't use this term, but he was sort of saying the AI wars that are coming. We have a billion active devices. And so to, to the extent there are things to be gleaned in a, in a privacy-respecting way from iMessage, we have a big user base already without Android. Uh, it would be bigger with Android, but it's big enough for that. Secondly, he said, it helps us sell our hardware. It ha- it's a differentiator mm-hmm. for our hardware. Whereas, if, of course, if we put it on Android, I-, I believe you told me you'd immediately buy an Android yeah. phone. So I was, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was ready. I, I mean, you I, were ready. I, I w- so I was, so if that-
0: they had put iMessage on Android, I would have ditched right. my phone. So my that
1: guy understood the lies of the world was what he was saying. And mm-hmm. but that's been their argument forever. We're doing these software things to sell, to differentiate and sell our our phones, and it keeps you in Apple world. And they want to keep you in Apple world more than they want anything else, and I yeah. mean, yes, they do want privacy, they do want equal rights. I mean, there was there was a moment of and they, 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 there was a moment of silence about the Orlando shootings, which you know I think is very classic. Uh, and I'm not saying this at all cynically, uh, listeners. I mean this sincerely, but it was very classic, Tim Cook. Um, so there's a lot of things they want, but one thing they want to do. So they want you in Apple
0: world, and that means hardware. You know that was another big theme for me, especially when they, they started talking about the Mac and they were demoing some new features. I was like, this stuff is great, but you gotta use Apple Mail on the Mac. You have to use Safari. yet you, you know you, you have to use their contact syncing. and then you get over to the phone. and so the Mac felt like they were adding lock-in to the Mac experience. And then you get over to the phone in iOS 10, and now you can delete the core apps. And now VoIP apps like Skype and uh, Line and whatever, not Line. What was the one they demoed? They demoed another VoIP app. Uh, but VoIP app like Skype can take over the call screen and look like a standard phone call or, or FaceTime call. And it's just funny. It feels like the lock-in on the phone, they know they got you, right? They're, they're, the, they're the winners in the phone. They, they've, they've got it. So they're opening that up a little bit. On the Mac, it's more like closing it down. It's just interesting to watch. The ecosystem kind of wax and wane.
1: Since you abandoned us and went to Nashville, there's been a whole controversy about this delete core apps. Turns out you can remove them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you do so, your data gets removed. So as a practical matter, they're there. Or they're not there. But in fact, the binaries or some aspect of the code remains on the phone. Interesting. Uh, and Really. And they're, they're yes, yes, and they're not uncoupled from the cycle of OS releases as we thought they might be, Only because they. they are in fact now going to be in the App Store, and you can re-download them. It's a whole complicated thing, but I think from the point of view of an, of an average user who does not like or use or want, let's say, the Stocks app, you're finally going to be able to not ever see it again, and uh, the binaries that are left for all of the ones they're allowing you to get rid of, and that's all, not all of them, but it's almost all of them, I think the total amount left on the phone would be like 150 mega, megabytes, so not that much. But um,
0: Well, if you, I mean, they still ship 8-gigabyte iPhones. Every megabyte counts. Every byte counts. Yeah,
1: but it's, not, it's still not that much. So uh, they feel like it's – uh, different parts of the system are dependent on other parts of the system and so even if you're not going to see it even if your data is not going to be there some aspect of it still has to be there for security they said yeah. because parts of the system depend on other parts of the system
0: whatever yeah, yeah the entire security library of the iPhone is hidden in the stocks app that's that's definitely that's true that's
1: probably <laughs> what it is I don't know
0: <laughs> no one's ever going to look at this yeah. we'll just tuck it yeah. in here I
1: personally I'm getting rid of the compass app as soon as I can but um <laughs>
0: You know. Uh look, I support the getting rid of the apps. My my point is that, that keeping you in Apple World expresses itself in just all these different ways. And a lot of them, you know, you you wrote Apple's apps aren't as good as they used to be. And it's funny to me that they didn't talk about improving that stuff. They didn't. Apart from Apple Music, no, they hardly didn't. at all. I agree. Like none of it. Right. Um, we I got agree with t- you. you know it's, Safari and the iPad can now do split screen windows. That's great. Uh, th- that's actually great. I think Dieter was the most excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> Dieter was very about excited thing. about it. I
1: can I can assure you, he was very excited. <laughs> <about it.
0: laughs> but the 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 core pieces of it, you know, they, they didn't talk about it a lot. They they made some big announcements, some big feature stuff. That again, the services on the iPhone is the big push to get more money out of it. But you know, Tim Cook called iOS 10, the mother of all releases.
1: They are a vertically integrated hardware software company, which is why they have done so well uh, uh, over uh, the last 15 years. Uh, But it's also why they need to and they feel in their bones that they express their software through their hardware. Now, I I don't think there's any reason. That doesn't mean you can't make mail, you know, not screw up and have better search and do better on Gmail. But they didn't. They're, they're just mm-hmm. – it's very much focused on hard, on, on hardware. Um, for instance, you can now unlock your computer with your watch. But the computer has to be a Mac and the watch has to be an Apple Watch. Now, they would tell you, I'm quite sure, that it has to do with security. Right. In fact, they did tell me that. It has to do with security. You know the way they designed the Apple Watch – uh, the Apple Watch knows whether it's on your wrist or not. When it's on your wrist, you have put in a password. So it's a secure token. The watch becomes a secure token. And that helps you open the the computer. And they, they literally don't trust anyone else, even if they did the exact same thing with their watch. They just right. don't. Uh, and that's not... It's part of that is marketing, but part of it is real. So, yes, this is Apple World, still remains, and... Um, and privacy still remains, but they have found differential thing, uh, which they think will let them compete in AI. And we don't know if that really will let them compete in AI. But I also mentioned a few other things, and one that I know is, is close to your heart is TV. Yep. So you, wa- you want to tell – uh, the st- because I know you're excited about it. Uh, why don't you talk about talk about what I'm they're so what they're
0: stretching they- out? Because I'm so
1: excited here. Now um,
0: stretch out. It's a the real- biggest
1: Apple TV thing. Crack your knuckles. Get ready to go.
0: So I'll, I'll say I'm at this uh, <laughs> I'm at this Vox Media event and Peter Kafka's here uh, and he he's like, man, you just love writing about TV and I was like, yes. For some reason, that's where my heart yeah. is. Uh, here is my theory and. Parts of it are almost certainly wrong, but here is—I I will present it to you as an argument for you to to think about. You, you, Walt Mossberg, and you, dear listener, and everyone can argue with me at once. Apple desperately tried to build a TV. They they tried, they tried, they thought about building an actual television. They they thought about building a box. They thought about building an over-the-top service. They wanted into that market. They could not get the deals, the pricing, the way they wanted it to work. So they backed off. They put out the new Apple TV. Said the future of TV is apps. All of you just put your apps on here, and eventually you could see where they were going. We're going to be the the dominant sort of streaming box solution, the most capable. We've got the most powerful one because it is basically a little iPhone under your TV. Uh, and they, you know, that was last year. And they put out this new remote, and your new remote is fine. What they didn't do was solve any of the authentication or billing or really discovery problems they have right there's search on the remote and that's fine what they added at WWDC I think is the first step towards them being able to sell or co-sell tv service for this box right and it's a small thing but it's the I in my opinion the enabling thing for the big change and so the small thing is they enabled what's called single sign-on so You're a Comcast customer. Walt, you're a Comcast customer, right? I'm a Fios customer. Uh, Uh, I am a
1: Comcast, either Comcast or Xfinity. They're the same company. I always get confused. Anyway.
0: Anyway, yeah. Xfinity is what they renamed it so that you would not associate it with Comcast because the brand association is so negative. Some Uh,
1: bills, some things I get say Xfinity and some other things say Comcast. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Anyway. anyway, so you, look, you're a subscriber. You can now sign in once to the Apple TV. There's this complicated set of back-end providers and relationships and authentication vendors and what have you. Uh, but you sign in once. The Apple TV says, okay, I know that you are Comcast subscriber. Comcast supports this set of streaming apps. HBO Go, Watch ESPN, the NBC one, you know, whatever it is. Stars. We're going to show you those apps on a screen. So you're entitled to streaming from these apps. You download them to the TV. You never have to sign in again. They just work. That's a cable bundle. It's not the cable bundle in the way that we've thought about it or the way that we've conceptualized it or that it's been bought or sold or marketed ever before in the past. But it's a bundle of content. Now what they don't have, and there's a lot of big stuff that they don't have. They don't have the actual building relationship with the customer. They don't have better pricing because the bundle, it's this is still an add-on to a traditional cable package. They don't have yep. a grid guide. They don't have a way to market content to you that it's on right now. They don't have XYZ. But what they've gotten, and which nobody else has, is the ability to say, I'm buying this box, I'm authenticating it to my cable service, and now a bundle of channels appears here because Apple knows how to market that bundle to you. That is a huge deal. It's, it's a small thing. Maybe it won't... It be expressed this way, you know. Apple's being very cagey about how it's going to actually work. You know, their their line to me was, "This is a developer conference. The developers are here. We're technology. They're gonna they're gonna develop the apps." But the biggest vendors in the sort of TV app space are supporting it. Other cable companies are saying, "Yep, this is a good idea." And you can just see how in the future you'll pay somebody for cable television, whether it's Apple or whether it's Comcast or whoever. And instead of getting cable, box, you get an Apple TV, and you'll sign into your cable, it'll click over, and then suddenly it'll just show you TV. That's incredible to me. That's like it's finally right. coming. Walt thinks I'm just crazy.
1: No, I don't think you're crazy. But I, I, I just want to quote. We, 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 always mention Dieter on this podcast. Yeah. One of these days we'll have him on the podcast. We should Dieter? Dieter is the Neilai is the you know the editor in chief of the Verge. Uh, uh, Dieter and I actually have the same title, executive editor, but his is real. Uh, Dieter's, <laughs> D- 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 Dieter's actually the number 2 guy on the Verge and very smart. And when when we sat down to tape the Verge cast and Neeli was like even more excited than you have just heard him, which was pretty excited. Uh Dieter just tapped him gently on the on the leg and said Neeli, your heart's going to be broken uh, yet again. Yeah. Um so here's here's what I think. Um <laughs> I agree with you. This is very, very cool because it solves a super annoying problem that all of us have on – not only on Apple TV but on Roku and all these others, which is other than you know a few of the cable guys – like HBO, who make a pure streaming service that does not depend in any way on a relationship or a payment to a cable company, your ability to watch streamed programming from a cable channel that you buy as part of a bundle on regular cable TV, your ability to watch that on Apple TV or Apple TV's competitors depends on your proving to the cable company that you actually subscribe or are entitled to that particular channel, and that's what makes you have to go reach for a PC, go to or or a Mac, go to a, a website, you know, get some activation number. I mean, and you have to do it for every one of them. And what Apple is doing here is doing a single sign on. You would you would sign on. You would go through that pain for one. First one you, you happen to want to have on Apple TV and then because Apple cares a lot about privacy, it basically sends that information in some encrypted way to the cable company or its agent because there are there, there is a company that apparently s- serves a bunch of these cable operators mm-hmm. uh, to perform this function. They get that once. It's encrypted. Apple then creates sort of tokens – That are all super encrypted and don't really you could steal them and not find out who the person is and every t- and then the second one of those cable things you you want to put on Apple TV and the third one and the fourth one and so forth it just sends a token and the token says oh he already signed up he he, he has yeah. this package we know exactly what he has he has the one that includes showtime or he doesn't have the one that includes showtime whatever you know and it just does the right thing that is very cool it yeah. it it was i was just as happy as you were because I've gone through this problem solves a big pain point. It makes uh, Apple TV a, an easier, better place to do this than the other boxes that um, I I own and I own most of them.
0: Now that isn't to say this won't just roll out to all the other boxes. You know, like uh, Comcast wants to do this with like open authentication. You know, Roku obviously wants to solve the same problem.
1: It'll come to all the boxes, but 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 I think you're you're taking a leap from there to saying all these cable channels will suddenly sort of appear on your Apple TV. And I still think it's, you know, it's apps. It's an app store. You'll, you're, you know, you may only ever have one.
0: I think if they're smart, the sign-up flow, and this is not, you're right. This is completely leap. I think if they're smart, the, the, the sort of setup flow of the Apple TV, you plug it in, you sign into, you know, it pulls the stuff off your phone right over Bluetooth. So it, it, figures out who you are. It signs in your iCloud. And then it says, do you have cable? And you say yes. And then you log into your cable account, and it, said, and it says, here are all the apps. Here's all the apps that your cable company supports. Do you want to download them? And then it just downloads all of the video apps that your cable company supports for you. That to me is, it's, again, it sounds so small, but it, it is so powerful in terms of now the value of the Apple TV is automatic to you. You don't have to dig around in the app store. You don't have to know that TV Everywhere is a thing that exists. You just know that suddenly there's an ABC, an ESPN, an NBC, a Comedy, whatever app. They're all just there. They look they, the future of TV actually is apps because the, the, they look like channels and they're just on that screen. You can search them all with Siri and you're off and running. And I think that is, and they're you know right next to Netflix, Hulu, whatever other streaming apps, YouTube. They can you know like you were saying, searching YouTube is a massive thing. All of a sudden, all of this stuff appears in the same plane, in the same zone. That is actually the dream, right? That you're going to mix TV and internet content, and it's all first class citizens. Now, it's just single sign on. They actually have to do all this stuff. But no one else has been able to do it. No one else has the install base of the Apple TV, uh, except for Roku. But I, I think, they, they, to me, they're actually different products, and the, the ambitions for the products are totally different. So it's a small thing, but I think it's a big thing.
1: But it could lead to a big thing. It, it, what you say could happen, certainly. I just don't think we got any indication of it there. That's all. And yeah. uh, but but it, I'd love I'd love for that to happen. I mean, yeah. we did. They are. We should point out they are taking on Sling, which is not a new thing. It's a relatively new thing, but I mean, it's not like new to them. New. They were announcing like they were announcing something brand new, and, and Sling is like a mini bundle of right. a bunch of stuff, um, and that will now be. That would now be Appified on Apple TV.
0: We gotta take a quick break. Let me read this ad, and then let's come back. We should talk about, I'm assuming, the watch. Okay. All right. This episode of Control Alt Elite is also brought to you by Eero. Our homes are coming online speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, front door locks, security cameras, washers, dryers, and everything in between. Increasingly, services like Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify are where we turn for home entertainment, and Wi Fi is the foundation of it all. Outside the smartphone, it's probably the technology we depend on most, the core utility of the 21st century home. But despite its importance, Wi-Fi is broken. Imagine if your electricity didn't reach certain parts of the house or was intermittent in others. That'd be ridiculous, but it's the status quo for Wi-Fi, with dead zones and buffering afflicting far too many of us. We've become inured to it and accepted bad Wi-Fi is right, is just the way things are. Era was designed to change all this. The company manufactures a single device, a small, elegant box about the size of an Apple TV. With the help of a dead simple app, you put Eero's throughout your home. The first ones replace your existing router and is Ethernet wired to your cable or DSL modem, and additional Eero's just need power from a standard outlet. They connect wirelessly to form a mesh network that blankets your home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. Walt reviewed Eero earlier this year and loved it. You can read that on the site, but actually, don't bother. Just for free overnight shipping, visit Eero.com slash Walt and check out select Overnight Shipping, and then enter code WALT, W-A-L-T, to make shipping free. That's Eero.com slash WALT. So we're back. We're back from the money zone. And Walt, I believe, wants to talk about the watch.
1: I do. I want to talk about the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is, uh, uh, what I wrote is, um, it's arguably Apple's least successful core hardware product in decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though it is, by all accounts, the best-selling smartwatch in the yeah. world.
0: Someone is going to send send you some made up sales stats. They're they're digging them up right now.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. sure. But I'm pretty sure, you know, if you if you leave out pure fitness trackers and I mean there's all kinds of ways to slice this, it's a very low bar and they have cleared it, but it's clearly not anywhere near clearing the bar that we expect of Apple big category products. And this was Tim Tim Cook's First big, you know, entering a hardware category. I mean, he also did Apple Pay, but Apple Pay is a service. So the Apple Watch, uh, you and I both remember the enormous deal they did to introduce it, the amount of money they spent, even just on the on the facility they used to mm-hmm. do the the hands-on area. I mean, it was ridiculous. After, Supermodels. It was, it was models, mil- millions, millions well, I, um, of dollars. Fashion this was a big, big deal, yeah. and. It turns out that I wrote a piece, that God knows how long ago, saying um, there are two and a half things you do with the Apple Watch out of the six thousand apps or whatever they have on there. Uh, one is you check your notifications, and you can answer them. You can you can dictate and use canned responses and uh, do some other things. as ways to uh, to. Uh, Answer them, but that's an important thing. The other one is fitness, general fitness. Yes, it has a whole workout system for people who seriously do workouts. But even if you just care about your you know, your steps and your heartbeat and your calories and and that kind of stuff, they do. They have a ring system. It's actually very psychologically successful, and I like that. And then I forgot the other half thing, but whatever it is, it's very few things. And it was – I thought this was one of the most – for a relatively unimportant product in Apple's portfolio, this was an amazing example of how software serves hardware in their mind. They went – they introduced essentially – I called it a rescue. You called it a reboot. Uh, They did an entire drastic, dramatic, completely changed – uh, user experience and operating system for the Apple Watch in a clear effort to save it and make it um, something people would really want to have. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, they ch- there's hardly anything on there that isn't different.
0: Yeah. I mean, so t- to me, the Apple Watch, the main problem with the Apple Watch was that it was slow. The second yeah. problem, and, and just like, just kind of like unforgivably slow. I, I just I don't think people should wait around for computers, especially one that's on your wrist that's supposed to tell you the time. Like, it needs right. to be fast. Second, the interface patterns were super messy, duplicative, confusing. You know, the, there's the, the there's like four ways to use the Apple. There's the touch screen. There's force touch. There's the digital crown. Digital crown is also a button, and there's a the button below it. If you got used to it, it was fine, but they weren't like predictable or intuitive. And then there had been in the past the, the watch face and then glances and then a notification shade and then this app screen that nobody used. And basically all of that is gone now. And the main change they made was uh, Kevin Lynch came on stage. He's the guy in charge of the Apple Watch. And he goes, we've made it so apps are faster. So they solve the biggest problem or they claim to have solved the biggest problem. They sped up apps. Once you speed up apps, you don't need glances anymore.
1: Even on the current hardware.
0: Even on the current hardware, God knows what this is going to do the battery life. But we sped up the apps, and we're going to let them refresh in the back. So if you got apps that are instant, I'm making air quotes here. If you have got apps that are instant, you don't need glances. You can just open the app. And if you know that nobody's using your silly digital touch messaging feature, well, they just remap that button so that that just opens and what they call an app dock now. Again, those are small things. Fundamental rethink of how the Apple Watch. It's feels.
1: huge. They've like been massive, Basically, huge. what they're doing is is they're caching. They're learning what apps you use most often, which we know from experience on smartphones, not just iPhones but all smartphones, is actually a fairly small set. They've remembered what they are. They cache them on the phone – I mean on the watch. And they allow them, as you said, to to refresh themselves so that not only do they launch instantly because they're right there uh, on the on, – in, in the memory of the, of the watch – But they've been refreshed. So if they're the kind of an app like, I don't know, a weather app or something that has to know exactly what's going on now, it knows it. Mm -hmm. And so you're not waiting. You're not waiting for the thing to launch. You're not waiting for the thing to update itself. It's there. And that is enormous. They have basically, I would say, adopted tap and swipe instead of spin the digital crown. By the way, we did have a briefing when you were uh, on your way to your uh, uh, off-site, mm-hmm. and uh, they showed us that the digital crown still works, that that home screen, uh, which no one uses – I agree with you. No one uses it. It's very hard to use. Uh, is still there if you want to find it. Some of these things are still there, but they're just like latent, sitting around in the background. They probably were impossible to kind of extract. I don't know. They're right. still around. They're not the way you're going to use the watch,
0: right? It's and this app so, you, doc. so,
1: so really, in a funny way, they rather than trying to invent a whole new paradigm, the watch works a lot more like the iPhone, and yeah. it, it, except, of course, it takes account of the fact that it's a smaller screen, and uh, and it has less, you know, it has less independence and it has less memory. But it, it's. I was very impressed not because I own and wear an Apple Watch, I do, but because um, it showed that they build software to create, market, and sell high-margin hardware. That is what Apple does. And they've been extraordinarily successful at it. One wonders whether that era is ending and they should be pivoting to doing things like taking things like iMessage and making them available everywhere, as we already discussed. But for the moment, they're sticking with their story and they're doing it. And um, that was, uh, you talked about themes at the beginning of this. That was that was uh, one of my two big themes, the other being that privacy AI thing yeah. we talked about. And I think Apple Watch is a, is a is in, and the, also the TV thing we talked about. They're both right. examples of, innovating in software but not for its own sake. Like Google mm-hmm. will do it for its own sake and say we can sell ads against this. Uh, we can make money. So we really don't care. – we'll put a fantastic version of this on Apple's products. Right. We don't care. Uh, we, of course we want them on Android but they don't actually work on – a lot of Google's best stuff doesn't work. On the vast majority of Android phones in the world, because they're too wimpy to run <laughs> these great Google. Th- I'm I'm, not, that, I'm dead serious. I mean, yeah. th- there's a lot of complicated. You, you really think smooth? You know, Google just introduced a, a smooth, uh, awesome version of Street View. I seriously doubt it works on these seventy nine dollar Android phones they sell in in uh, developing countries. Right, uh, but they were. It works on every iPhone. So um, uh, Google is happy to pull a stuff on iOS. I don't think Microsoft Office on iPad works on you know, cheap Android tablets. Right. I just don't. I mean expensive Android tablets probably, but there aren't that many. It's really, uh, a, a, it's really a perfect app for iPads. Uh, so those guys are putting stuff everywhere and Apple is not doing that. Right. Apple is doing what Apple has always done. Apple is Apple, and yeah. that's that's why that you know the headline we we uh, we fooled around with a bunch of headlines um, for this column, and we just said I just said Apple is still a world of its own, and that is that is part of its charm. It's part of its wonder. It's part of what all the books about Steve Jobs uh, are about, especially the wonderful one sponsoring our podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's all. There's positive um, connotations to that. There's also negative connotations to it, but that's what it is. And so I sat, you sat, we listened to the keynote. I went uh, along with our colleagues to uh, several briefings and I come away still thinking this. Um, this is this is where we are and um, and this is this is Apple world.
0: Yeah, you know, my takeaway was, I, I said this on the Vergecast too, and I think you said it just now in sort of a different way, but my takeaway was... Apple feels intentional now and confident in a way that they haven't. It's like they put out so many products over the past year, two years, the Apple watch, the TV, the Siri remote, 3d touch, all this stuff. And it was like, why, why is this stuff here? And, and with this set of releases, they're starting to really explain here's the value that the watch can bring you, right? They can Cook, recontextualized the watch to it's a health device. Not it's an everything device. This is the best device for your health. Um, the TV, right, small step towards it's going to actually be a cable box. Uh, 3D Touch, we didn't talk about this at all, but on the iPhone, they're rethinking the whole lock screen and how you unlock the phone and what 3D Touch is for because – Oh, there, they- there are
1: huge changes there. And, and 3D Touch shows up now in, pla- in places – it shows up before you ever unlock the phone mm-hmm. and it does some very interesting things. I, I actually thought, hmm, I might start using this when right. I was watching watching this at one of the smaller briefings.
0: And that's what I mean. It's just there's an intentionality now. And I think the big difference from you know, we we've we've just done them all now. There was the Microsoft week and Google Week and so have you whatever. The big difference is everyone else is making sweeping pronouncements about the next ten years of AI and chatbots and VR, or whatever. Apple's like, we made our products better. <laughs> like, yeah. fundamentally, we've made our products no, that's better. True. And now there's, there's new effects and messages.
1: We'll be, we're going to play in this AI thing, but yeah. we have a, like, to use your word, we have an intention behind it, right. uh, and, and we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. I think the one thing you and I disagree on, and probably we should save it for a, a, a future episode, is I actually think the Apple TV remote is fantastic. Oh, my God. You I think are it's, so wrong. I think it's fantastic.
0: Tweet at Walt Mossberg fantastic. if you think the Apple remote is good or bad. Well,
1: <laughs> I to yeah, you. B- before you I, tweet it, I will tell you that you have to be up to date. And one of the very newest things, I think it's a matter of a month old, is you can actually dictate uh, sign-ins. Because you're still going to have, even with a oh, single I, I, sign-in. No, that's
0: great. The whole, the Siri part of the remote is great. The Ask for things. Well, that's what I'm talking about. The actual remote is garbage. The touch sensor (laughs) is all kinds of wonky. The button's too easy to click. It gets lost. You can't hold it in your hand and know which way is up. Like, it is, as a piece of physical design, is a mess.
1: I don't have any of those problems. But the Siri thing is wonderful. Your if you're one of those people great.
0: out there who's put a piece of tape on their Apple remote or their Siri remote to figure out which way is up, just tweet a picture at Walt. There's, like, hundreds of these people. They're all, they, they've all tweeted at me before, and now everybody tweet at Walt. I think this the, the Siri remote for the Apple TV is – it's right up there with, like, the hockey puck mouse in terms of great ideas on a piece of paper that Apple somehow built and shipped without any actual human being ever trying to use it in real in the real world. Except
1: like, Neilai, except you start you start this rant by exempting the most important and most useful feature of the goddamn thing. Seriously, I mean, well, the, it's, it's a microphone. It does a very good job. Yeah, but it does. It's a smart microphone. But the remote does doesn't do
0: that. The, the Apple TV. It's just a mic. You could, you can make a microphone that was nice to hold. <laughs> like it's just a it's just a thing. The the touch surface and the swiping. I don't know anybody. Do you, do you like that stuff? But this should be a whole other podcast. That remote makes me so. Bad. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I'm, glad I'm, like, you have, I'm like ranting uh, about this thing. You know, I'm glad
1: you have it. feelings. Uh, you know, this is like a, it could be like a therapy session.
0: <laughs> we could play that's soft what, that's music. That's what the podcast is. It's just. It's really just therapy. In fact, I,
1: I think we need an episode of this in which we do nothing but use the breathe.
0: App oh the God. breathe
1: app on the Come Apple Watch, which, by the way, is actually there's a lot of people, there's a lot of um, experts who agree with the presenter uh, from Apple on that, Jay Blonick, that just just deep breathing, even five minutes a day, helps a lot. Yeah, when you're using your Apple TV remote, you ought to deep breathe, and you'll be happier, guy.
0: I'll see what I can do. I'm just going to keep using my harmony anyway. So sadly, I've got to we got to wrap this one up early because I've, I've got to run. But uh, there's so much coverage of WWDC on the website, so you should just go check it out. Also, Walt was on the Vergecast, which will be out tomorrow. So check out Walt and John Fort and Lauren Good and Dieter on the Vergecast. All about WWDC. Uh, actually, a really fun Vergecast. So check that out. Lauren's got her show, Too Embarrassed to Ask, that you should listen to. Uh, there's also Rico Decode with Kara Swisher. There's Recode Media with Peter Kafka. There is What's Tech with Chris Plant, and there is Verge ESP with Emily Yoshida and Liz Lapato. All great shows, but really, if you're if you want more Apple stuff, Verge is a place to be this week because we went deep on on everything. And there's so much more stuff we didn't even talk about. Uh, Also, Walt and I love your feedback. We love show openings in particular. So keep sending those. They're so much fun. Uh, uh, I'm at Reckless. Walt is at Walt Mossberg. Also, seriously, just send the man your thoughts about the Apple TV remote. I know I'm not wrong here. (laughs) I'm trolling you directly. Tweet them to (laughs) Neelai, not me. Tweet uh, and Eli. No, I think that's it I think that's all the plugs I, I
1: will mute you everyone who sends me this I will
0: mute them <laughs> Walt's just threatening
1: you now I just want you uh, to know
0: Walt will we'll have Twitter <laughs> kick you off the service and <laughs> ban you entirely if you tweet at him with the Apple TV I'm
1: going there. over to Twitter in about two hours there so you go
0: we'll man He's gonna, Walt's going to be at the dashboard <laughs> live muting people on Twitter <laughs> at Twitter HQ anyhow that's the show this week thank you so much for listening Walt that was great as always man always a pleasure
1: thank you Nilai. it is always a pleasure I enjoy this immensely